0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast, our first of May 2021. And we are so glad to have you with us wherever it is that you're tuning in from. Like We want you to know this morning that God loves you, that God walks with you, whatever it is that you're going through today, this month or this year. And we'd love to walk with you, too. If you'd like to find out more about Highway, get connected to one of our ministry areas or small groups, you know, register a prayer request, or find a time to connect one-on-one with one of our pastors, uh, you can head to highway.org and click the Get Connected tab at the right corner of the screen. Uh, I hope you'll take me up on that. Well, uh, this is it. Uh, we have been in a series called Before What's Next. looking at what the scriptures might have to say about navigating transition, you know, moving from one season to the next uh, in a way that's purposeful and in a way that's intentional, in a way that doesn't discard or, you know, leave behind what God has taught us, you know, the way that God has met us, even if what we're just coming through uh, has been difficult, even if it's been really difficult. And so as this feeling of life as usual starts to come back, As we find ourselves able to think about planning things we haven't been able to, you know, over the last year, as our schedules and routines start to slowly look more and more like they did before the pandemic, we've been sitting with the book of Deuteronomy. And this book captures Moses speaking into an important transition moment for the nation of Israel. They were about to leave behind their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and finally be home. Uh, but instead of just running into the land that God promised them at a sprint, you know, Moses has them stop just on the other side of the river. Uh, and we've been looking at what he says, you know, some themes from the book of Deuteronomy uh, to see how this moment from the scriptures can help us navigate this moment in time. And the first week we talked about how important it is to stop, look, and listen how Moses opens this set of transition guidance with an objective look back on the last 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You know, there's no revisionist history. There's no hero making, you know, just an objective look at what went well and what didn't uh, and why. Uh, Because uh, there are lessons from that time. You know, ways God met the Israelites, even in the moments when they got it wrong. And wow, were there moments when they got it wrong. There are ways that God met the Israelites and shaped them and refined them, healed them even a little bit, taught them how to move when he moved and stay when he stayed, you know, these gifts and important lessons from that wilderness time, as hard as it was, that that the Israelites needed to remember and bring with them, because not bring the lessons of the wilderness with us into what's next, you know, in a lot of ways is to say stuck in that wilderness forever. And so before what's next, we stop. We take an objective look back at what we've just come through, and we listen for what God is saying to us about it. And then last week, we talked about choices, about how to put that listening and that look back into practice Uh, by looking at Moses' call for the Israelites to choose life, to move towards God, to align their lives towards God with purpose and with intentionality and to live in response to the love and faithfulness of a God who never left them. And as we start to wrap up this series this week, I want to come back to where we started. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan, I want us to come back to this verse, to come back to where we started, to be reminded that uh, this isn't a book of individual instruction. This is a guide. This is guidance given to a group, and to a people as a whole. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. Today, I want to talk about what it means to walk together and and really the choices involved in that. This last year really really shifted, I think, for all of us, the way that we engage in and experience community. In moments, we've been able to really laugh at ourselves well in it. Uh, You know, the reality that shirts way outsold pants this last year uh, because who needs new pants for a Zoom call? Uh, But before what's next... After we stop, look, and listen, as we seek to choose life, I want to talk about the choice to walk together. And look, disclaimer up front, uh, this is not a commercial. This is not a do all the highway things sort of message. This isn't just a, you know, be in community message. I want to talk about the purpose. I want to talk about the point of it. I want to talk about how God uses the choice to walk in intentional, purposeful, transformational community to accomplish his purposes in the world and in us at the same time. I want to talk about the power of corporate witness. And I want to talk about how the choice to walk together empowers us to live out what it means to be God's people. You know, what Moses captures here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and with all our strength, and how Jesus reminds us that embedded in that ethic is to love our neighbor as ourselves. As we get started today, would you pray with me? God, I ask that you would meet us in this time. Uh, Community is such a familiar topic. uh, And yet sometimes it feels uh, so out of reach. And so we just recognize in this moment that this last year has made that really hard. But God, I I pray that you give us a new vision for it. That you would help us uh, see how you want to use walking together in our lives to shape us and change the world at the same time. Uh, God, uh, would you be molding us into a people that longs for that? Uh, Would you help us see and clearly identify next steps in our lives as to how to walk together in this next season? We love you. Uh, We give you this time. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. I spend a lot of time around people who ask the question, why? A lot. Most of them live in my house. It's a great question. Uh, I just run out of answers sometimes. Uh, Anybody ever been there before? Uh, or on the other side like have you ever had uh, a, like a genuine curiosity about something you know asked about it and, and then gotten an answer that was way more than you bargained for uh, where, where you're like I have just uncovered an area of deep knowledge and where that meets deep passion and, and while I appreciate this very thorough 40 minute long answer i really was just looking for like the 3 to 5 minute version so there's something about asking the question why or what's the point? You know, that even if it opens us up to more of an answer, you know, than maybe we were really looking for, like, is such an important question. Because really what's behind that question is a desire to understand and be connected to purpose. And I wonder how many of the Israelites asked that question. You know, is, is there a perch just on the other side of the river from where they've wanted to be for so long? as as Moses told them their story, as Moses retold them the covenant law, I wonder how many of them were asking why. What's the point? What's the purpose of all this? It's clear from sitting with this book that Moses really wants the Israelites to be faithful to what they've learned and who they're called to be as they step into what God has next for them. And what we've got to remember is that was always about more than just them. Always about more than just their happiness or just their comfort, just their connection and covenant relationship with God. It was part of God's plan for redeeming the world. As God's covenant people living in that covenant relationship with God. What Moses spent so much of the book of Deuteronomy talking about, by living as God's covenant people, the Israelites were supposed to communicate something new and beautiful and different about how to be in the world, about how to treat and care for other people that was supposed to be like an invitation to the people around them to do the same. And we just get a glimpse of that here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Take a look with me here. Deuteronomy 4, starting in verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? There's something powerful About a group of people living in this kind of way. There's a broader purpose to the covenant law. It also communicated something powerfully to the people around them that's connected to what God has always been working in the human story to bring everyone home, to bring everyone out of the wilderness. (laughs) and into God's promise of redemption and restoration and wholeness and life and healing and meaning and purpose found in connection with him. And I wonder how many Israelites were listening to Moses speak into this moment and asking, what's the point? I wonder how many of them understood that this moment, what they'd just come through And what was next was about so much more than just their own journey. I I wonder if they could connect how the last 40 years had helped prepare them to step into being the collective light that they were always intended to be. I'm going to say something very pastory now. And by that, I mean, uh, it's one of those catchy phrases, you know, like uses alliteration, all all the things that we get really excited about. Don't let that distract you, uh, because I really want us to consider this today. That a purpose of the wilderness is preparation for the promise. That This moment for Israel isn't just about moving from discomfort to comfort as grateful and excited as I'm sure they must have been about that. That this isn't about just moving from discomfort to comfort, but from a season of preparation to one of practice. See, God was at work in that wilderness time, refining, clarifying, walking with the Israelites as they learned how to move and step with him and preparing them for the role that they would have in this moment, in this season. Communicating the promise. Demonstrating to the people around them who God is and what God is like. And look, that's something that was very much about their collective corporate witness. The the power a group of people living together with this you know, whole self-devotion to this way of God-oriented life and, and the power that has to communicate something good and beautiful and true about the kinds of things God cares about and what God is doing in the world, you know, makes those things visible in a unique way. Now, I want to zoom in here on chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 for just a moment. Uh, because they really get at the core of what's unique about the way the Israelites were called to live, you know, really highlight what will speak loudest to the people around them. Now take a look at me, take a look with me at Deuteronomy 4 verses 7 and 8. This is Moses talking about the perspective of the other nations as they observe the Israelites living faithfully to the way God had called them to be. Deuteronomy 4 verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as the body of laws I'm setting before you today? There's two things here. There's this connection, this closeness, this nearness of God that was super unique in the ancient Near Eastern perspective. You know, for most of the peoples at that time, you know, gods were aloof. Gods were far off, distant, and needed to be appeased or enticed to come near to listen or to intervene or care in any sort of meaningful way, You know, whether that be military victory or just a good harvest. There was no sense of consistent closeness to a God in the surrounding cultures. Look, but not with Yahweh, right? We, we read here in verse seven, Moses describing the power of the nearness of God. That Yahweh is near to his people and not in these elaborate rituals. It doesn't have to be enticed through them. But is present with them in prayer, and, and that's not just available to one person who's extra special. You know, that's not just you know for a shaman or a, or a prophet, but that's that's for all the people. Verse seven: What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? The way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him. Yeah, and that can send a powerful message. That can communicate something important, something compelling. when, When a group of people walk together in nearness, in closeness, in connection with God, Moses continues in verse eight. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? We've got to talk about this word righteous. When you hear that word, what comes to mind? Uh, For me, it's Dana Carvey's character from Saturday Night Live, the church lady. Uh, And and when I stop and think about it, it's because of this close association I have uh, with the word righteous and the idea of being Uh, self-righteous, this kind of like um, overly pious, stuffy, religious rule-following and rule-enforcing, but this kind of moralistic self-righteousness. And the word for righteous or righteousness from the scriptures couldn't be further from each other. This word righteous comes from the Hebrew word tzedakah. It's used over 200 times in the Old Testament. And really what it refers to is the ethical standard of being in right relationship. It's a relationship word. And that's why so often in the scriptures, uh, it's paired with the Hebrew word mishpat. What we have translated for us is the word justice. Justice is what naturally flows out of righteousness. This impulse to intervene in the midst of injustice and to make sure it's accounted for. And also uh, this idea of whomever's in the majority having an eye, having a concern, proactively looking to take care of the vulnerable. Mishpat means both of these things in the scriptures. And these two words, justice and righteousness, are paired together more than 50 times in the Old Testament alone. Being righteous is the standard of relating to everyone else in a right way. And what actions display that standard Mishpat, justice. See, by living into the covenant law as a collective group, uh, there'd be this people with deep concern for justice, for fairness, for equity, uh, to not just right wrongs, but uh, to proactively have concern for the vulnerable among them. And Can you imagine the power of that corporate witness? I'm not even just one person living this way as powerful as that is, but an entire people group. so there's such an opportunity to collectively show who God is and what God is like to the people that will be around them. see if they if they stop and look back, if they choose life and walk together, and you know, the, the people around them will start to see this nearness, this connection to God, and, and, and then how that translates into how they treat other people. Uh, the, these are two distinctives, you know, the, the two sources of the, the power of their corporate witness you know, for the Israelites and what God has next for them. These two things, this connection and nearness with God, and this care and concern for those around them. Do those two things perhaps sound familiar to you? Uh, Maybe even uh, some words that Jesus spoke that we talked about last week. Uh, Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And when a group of people commit themselves to living this kind of way? How does it have a capacity to communicate something so true and so beautiful about who God is and what God is up to in the world? When we choose to live this way of Jesus kind of life together, to walk together in it, we get to make the story of God's redeeming work in the world just a little bit more visible. And here's a question I want to ask us this morning is how has this last year been preparing us to do that? How has God been moving and working and shaping and refining us as a group, as a community, helping us see ourselves and the world around us a little bit more clearly? The, the choice to walk together really does help accomplish God's work in the world and in us at the same time. It helps us live into how Jesus reframes Deuteronomy 6 in this passage from Matthew 22. Loving God with our whole selves and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And as we close, I just want to talk about that a little bit. What that can look like and set an invitation in front of us for the coming week. And I want to do that through the question, who are we walking with? You know, as far as setting the context, you know, or, or creating space for God's work in us, it's hard to think of something that helps that happen more than community. I, I don't know about you, uh, but choosing life, uh, being really purposeful and orienting ourselves in alignment with the things that God cares about, is hard to do. Uh, like we talked about last week, you know, there's very real cost associated with that. Now we don't get it right all the time. And there's something about being on a shared journey uh, that helps us get back in it. You know, adds very real needed support and encouragement. Uh, look, and also accountability. It's also the context of relationships uh, that a lot of what we read in the scriptures gets put into practice. You know, relationships are where a, a lot of that kind of like rubber meets the road where we get the opportunity to extend the same forgiveness that we've been given, you know, to be patient and bear with one another, you know, to be humble, to be sharpened by each other, to love each other. And I, I think that's why Jesus said, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Is it walking together in this kind of community, shapes and refines and exposes and sharpens and supports us. Uh, Look, and we have to choose that. Uh, We have to invest the time to develop the trust and transparency. But God works in us when we walk together in this way. Who are we walking with? And just like the choice to walk together can be such a pathway for God's work in us, it can also set the context for God's work in the world around us. And let me just frame this quickly. Where we live is so transient. It's so fast-paced. Finding relationships that go beyond just, you know, what did you do this weekend kind of stuff is so hard here. And that's been made even harder with this last year. Can you imagine what it would be like to have been new right before the pandemic or moved here right in the middle of it? It's hard enough to find meaningful points of connection as it is, let alone when a lot of the spaces where that happens naturally, you know, school, the office, kids, sports and extracurriculars, you know, all of those things were either canceled or turned remote. And what a missional opportunity there is right now to be the people who make those spaces in our schools and our neighborhoods and workplaces and in our broader community. You know, to walk together with people in a way that transcends just the surface level, you know, but to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, here's one thing I want us to consider with that Jesus was always surprising people by who he was spending time with, who he ate with, who he stood with who he talked with, who he touched, who he mourned with, who he included. But those choices show us a lot about who God is and what God is like. Who are we walking with? And what story is that telling? What is that communicating to the world around us about who God is and what God is like? And what could it look like for us to be a church that followed in Jesus' footsteps? That when we, when we choose to walk together, it sets the context for God to work in us and the world around us at the same time. There's such a power in our collective story, our corporate witness to communicate something so true and so unique and so beautiful about who God is and the, and the kind of things that God cares about and is up to in the world. And to help us live into that, and to help us consider what that might look like. Julie's created another set of questions and reflection prompts for the coming week. You can find them in our weekly email that came out on Sunday morning. And I can't encourage you enough to spend some time with those. Before what's next, let's stop, look, and Listen. Let's choose life in this next season. And let's walk together. Let's not lose sight of what this last year has taught us and how God has been walking with us every step of the way, preparing us for what God has next for us. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. God, I pray that you would continue to be forming us into a church that lives and loves like you do. God, would you give us a love for you and love for our neighbors that compels us to walk together? Even if the road's hard, even if we don't do it right all the time, God, would you Give us uh, both uh, a love and a courage to walk together. We, We thank you that you walk with us all the time, in all places, through all things. God, would you help us be those kind of people too? We love you. We thank you that you loved us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen.